rock bottom was, you know, getting paid and not having any money on payday. On the first of the month, I would get paid and then I was in negative because all of the, the payments were going out, Bloody you know, working, working like 60, 70 hour weeks to dig myself out of it. But, you know, that's all led me here. All right, so Damo, um, yes. obviously we went to uni together about 10, 10, 12 years ago back in Durham. I think it was uh, a bit longer than that. No, <laughs> I mean, life has been hard, man. Life has been hard uh, since graduating. But um, we're all about building wealth, making money on this podcast. But a lot of people have to deal with debt or worry about debt at some point. And before you can start investing, you have to clear your debt. I've known you for over 10 years, but yeah. what's actually surprised me um, doing this podcast is finding out that you had debt at some point. Yeah. Because you've, as long as I remember, you've always been good with money, good at saving. Yeah. Quite the opposite of me. So um, yeah, what happened? Where did you go? Tell me a bit more about your debt. I was in Manchester at the time. So I'd left university and I was, uh, university is like a protective bubble, isn't it? Oh, Where yeah. you can just kind of be carnage. And I think that's t- you live on debt. <laughs> I'd, at university, I'd taken out a couple of overdrafts and stuff and, you know, like had all of that. So I was carrying that. And then I went into the, the, work, the work environment and I was just a bit um, naive. So essentially I was working a job in Manchester and I wasn't really in, enjoying the employment. And then an offer came along where basically I thought that I would come into a lot of money and that I was done. So I, I quit my job. Um, it turns out that that wasn't the case. The, the 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 offer was a lie, basically. But what I did was I didn't come to terms with that very quickly. And I spent 12 months just sitting on my ass trying to come to terms with the fact that that was a lie, not paying any bills or anything. And, and you know, it turns out that was pretty expensive. <laughs> I mean, how bad did it get? I mean, I remember in uni, I, I got my first credit card, mm. ran it up, got a student mm. loan didn't pay it back, just spent it all in the club and like on a few books. Um, so like, how bad did your debt get? So the amount of debt was probably in the the 30 to 40,000 pound range. And it was a whole host of debts. You know, there was the priority debts, which are, you know, council tax, gas, electric, those bills that I wasn't paying. Because the promise that was made to me was there was going to be a cash injection that would just sort all of that out. And I was just hanging on for this to come in and to be sorted from it. And it, you know, obviously never did. But then also I was using credit cards. Um, there was a point then when I couldn't get credit cards. So that meant that I had to then rely on payday loans and those payday loans were used to pay the bills. Um, and then it got to a point where it became pretty obvious that I wasn't going to get this money and that the offer was a lie. And it was at that point that I woke up and thought, I'm going to need to get a job here. Pretty heavy. How did it make you feel? Were you like- Yeah, pretty shit. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't like, oh, well, let's go. But the thing was like, I remember at the time actually being in it and and not really thinking it was that bad bad a deal. And then I kind of came to terms with the fact that actually this situation isn't going to get better. I'm going to have to go get a job and like dig myself out of this hole. Was that your job in debt? Yeah. So you had debt and then you go and went and work for a debt company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that I seems mean, a bit stressful. Or you could learn a lot. You could genius. Yeah. Genius. <laughs> right, we'll take the modest answer, genius. Yeah, so what I did was I made money out of telling people how to get out of debt so that I could get out of debt. <laughs> did yeah. you use any of those tips yourself? Um. So was really for I, you? I, well, no, I worked in the debt management industry. And what, what, what we essentially did was we either did debt management plans, which is where you take people's debt, you consult, you reach, and then you negotiate with the creditors on their behalf so that they pay less payments. Or I made people bankrupt through things called IVAs and bankruptcy and something called a debt relief order. There you go. Just me and Eva, what's an IVA? An individual voluntary arrangement or agreement, I think it is. I mean, you're talking well over a decade ago, but basically an IVA is, is like a form of bankruptcy. It's an insolvency, which means I'm not solvent. I, ha- I don't have enough money to pay my debt. So I'm going to have some of the debt wiped. But instead of bankruptcy where you go to court and most of the debt is wiped off, with with um, an IVA, you pay payments every month for five years, and then at the end, the remainder is wiped off. So I'm I guess- didn't want to do any of those. Yeah. So what did you do? Paid it all off. What great every month? Every or- penny. Yeah. Oh man. No, how did you How did you break up the payments? Like it got to a point where 
on the first of the month I would get paid and then I was in negative because all of the the payments were going out and I remember like needing to roll over payday loans so that I could try and like take out a payday loan to pay some others and things like that for about six months there was a period where I just had no money like I'm talking no money I moved into um a house share that was like 300 quid a month all, all the one in, in uh Salford the, the girl with the rats oh yeah she had like 12 rats in the kitchen <laughs> there was a rat in the kitchen I remember the girl with the dogs I don't remember the rats I don't think you invited me over though to be fair no I didn't invite many people over mate. <laughs> to but, your rat yeah, infested flat I, I was so ashamed they had, these were her pets like 12, 12 rats in a in um in a like a big hut yeah they all just like in the corner like creeping um <sighs> yeah so I lived in there and then what I would do essentially is um Walk, to walk everywhere. I lost a load of weight in that period. I need to start that again. <laughs> yeah, you found it, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I found that weight. <laughs> 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 um, I'm, I'm, where I worked at, at this debt management place, we had like a cafe with a card. And what you could do with the card is you could buy your food um, and then they would take it off your next month's wage. Oh. So I would buy a sandwich and a soup. I'd eat the soup for lunch and then I'd have the sandwich for dinner. And I did that every day for six months. Wow. So, and that allowed me to just throw everything at the debt. Was that rock bottom? I think rock bottom was, you know, um, getting paid and not having any money on payday, you know, yeah. at that point. And also it was difficult when I had my son, which was, a, it was part of, it was in the process of like paying off the debt and just being aware of the fact that like I had this baby and I would just be not, unable to go anywhere. So if it, because I didn't have any money. So if it's, if it was raining, I would just be like pushing, pushing him around in the rain. Oh, and you, were with, you were so with I his mom, really, I, you were separated. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Were separated. So I felt really guilty about that. But, but now looking back, he was a tiny little baby. So he didn't. He wasn't aware, and yeah. now he, he gets everything. He gets, he gets he everything. Me, <laughs> but I can I can allow him to. Do you know what I mean? So actually, but that was that was a low point for me. Just thinking, I'm a, I'm an awful parent here because because you couldn't take your kid anywhere. Yeah, just walking around in the cold. You know. But at least you were there. Yeah, exactly. That's what's important. Yeah, and I was on a commission. Um, sales is kind of how I got into sales, and I worked like a dog. I they give you, did it give you a hell of a lot, a big drive, a lot yeah. of motivation to yeah. just knock off the desk. I smashed every spot. sales record ever in the place. I progressed through the business quicker than anyone See, this ever is has. what I know you for, like yeah. closing deals and yeah. like being the top All builder. All of that so. was built off the back of being in oh, horrendous So debt. that's what set yeah, you off. Yeah, my back was against the wall, you know. Oh. Um, and so like I just had to go in on Saturdays, go in on Sundays, just worked really hard, got promoted after like six months and got promoted again after six months. And I ended up at the end of it being on like, you know, relatively good money at a young age, uh, 50, 60K a year. Um, and that was all just going on paying off the debt. So it was actually a good thing in a way. Was that all before you had your kid? Yeah, like this was like a crossover period. Cool, so yeah, because that's when you went quite, you, did, you, dis you disappeared for like a year and yeah. you came back, you're like, Tia, I've just had a kid. And I was like, where have you been? <laughs> so um, I thought it was just, you were like getting yeah, yeah. your head around being a dad rather than, I yeah. didn't know it was all the debt thing. That yeah, I was, was getting my head around being demo at that point. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of screamed my, my kid wasn't, but like in every sense of the word, I really threw a hand grenade into my life. You know I mean? <laughs> frag out. Yeah, literally like... frag out. Um, so I, I really caused some issues in my personal circumstances throughout that period as a result. And yeah, like the, my son came along within that period. Um, but but yeah, it was tough. It was, it was super so tough. It was like a big transition for you. Because in uni, it was like, you know how it is. We got student loans, you're all carefree. We're just like in the club, having fun, yeah. like playing a bit of sports, just going out. But then you went from that to like, I guess I say uni is like one of the highlights of my life. Well, for fun, not for like, yeah. you know. So you went from like super fun and us well, I was like great... Mr. Popular at uni, yeah, wasn't exactly, I? I was yeah. like Freshers Week director and stuff. Yeah, that's where I met you. I met you yeah. in the club and you're like, I like your style. And I was like, I like your style. And yeah. then yeah, so how did you go from like the best times of our lives or one of the best times to like, I thought I was going to be rich and now I'm in super debt. Yeah. And everyone's graduated and everyone's got jobs now, even though we were in a credit recession or whatever, but everyone had jobs. Like, how did you feel just being it was a in mass debt? It was a massive wake up call and really like soul destroying that yeah. like I'd put myself in this position through my own naivety and that I would, I'd been taken advantage of by someone who I like believed. Um, and that, that ended up costing me like years of my life in terms of progression. Um, 
I can now look back and say it was a positive because what that allowed me to, what that showed me was that if I work harder than anyone else in the room, you know, I'm actually good at sales. So if I put more hours in than everyone else, I'm just going to batter them in terms of that. And off the back of that, I then moved into the investment stuff and I did, I did really well in that. And then I moved into the accountancy side and you just applied the same things every time. It was just like, I'm good at chatting. If I work more hours than everyone else, go in, find out who the best salesman is, and sit, next to him, sit next to him for three months and learn what they do and then and do then it better than do them. Better. And you, you know, it's, it's super easy. Um, but I learned all of that through the debt. So I actually learned that I am capable of, you know, being the best salesperson in the room, essentially. So obviously a lot of people have debt in England. Mm. Um, one in four. One in four. Uh, one in four people are in a what, like a precarious position. Financially. If, if something rocks their world, they, they, they slip into debt. So did you find that like, when you're working that manager, obviously one in four people, do you find a lot of people keep it quiet? Like it's like a kind of like a stigma or like shame to do yeah. with being in debt? Yeah. Like, or do you feel like a lot of people own up to it and they're like, I need to fix it. Or do most no. people just do like the ostrich head in the sand? It'll- Yeah. They I'll call just... you when the wolves are at the door. When yeah. when like, when they're in a really bad position um, and in a way it would be better if they faced up to it earlier because you could take steps to control and manage the debt. Once they've missed loads of payments and the bailiffs are at the door or the debt collectors, there's a big difference between the two. Like a debt collector can't force their way into the house. They, they can say, oh, we're here. You can just tell them to go away. Whereas a bailiff appointed by, you know- Can they take your car and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If they've got a court order yeah. like to seize goods, yeah. Um, whereas a debt collector has no rights to collection. They're just trying to get, they buy the debt off the debt company and then trying to get, you know, they buy it for pennies on the pound and then they're just trying to recoup and they act as if they're like bailiffs so that they can get money when in reality, but anyway, someone coming to your house for money for debt is not a good position to be in. Yeah. That's most people that call. But what, what I learned from managing finances or managing debt for people or getting them out was it's everybody it affects everybody. Like I said, I didn't pass the, we had footballers calling in. We had like- Yeah, you said there was like a millionaire footballer who went into debt. Well, he wasn't a millionaire. Oh, he, was he, was th- he was earning 30 grand a week oh. or something, but he, he just was spending it all and he built up a lifestyle whereby he had like an interest only mortgage. He leased a Ferrari. Um, his missus was spending a lot of money on credit cards. He had like a hundred grand loan, a few hundred grand on credit cards and all his money was going out on that. And then it was like, I've got three years left of my playing career and half a million to a million quid in debt. And what am I going to do? And the answer was on paper, mate, you need to go bankrupt because you, you can't afford to pay this debt. That's crazy. Yeah. And then you get like, the most common reasons really are relationships like mine. It made me feel pretty normal, like toxic relationships or when it goes bad at the People end. People go into debt after, after yeah. the relationship. But also just like, good relationships where the one partner loses their job and the other one takes on that burden, but they actually can't afford to do that, you know, so they get into debt. Also as well, a lot of people don't talk about money in relationships and they might have a perception of like, oh, I'm the one that's good with money in the relationship and they get into debt. They don't communicate. Um, when divorce leads to debt, but not necessarily because of the breakup and like giving half the money, but because one person in the relationship was the money person, it's really common that the woman manages the household finances, I found, and the man doesn't do anything. That's quite common. What happens is if the woman leaves the relationship or they split up, the man has no idea how to manage their finances and just gets into loads of debt. So it's not the divorce that costs the yeah. money, it's the, the, the loss else. of the support. You know, yeah. So that, that was really common. And then reckless spending was a proportion of it, but not as much as you think. Most people, it's there's a shock that enters their life. And because they have no emergency fund or backup, they they end up like borrowing and then it's a slippery slope. People think, oh, I'll borrow on this credit card and then I'll pay it off. But then, you know, like things come in threes, they end up losing their job and this yeah. happens. My circumstance was quite unique, really. Not many people are just sitting on their ass for a year waiting for the, to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might not have been the best idea. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like you as well. You're quite, so do you think that was an old you? Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Because yeah, I, I can't see you sitting around no. waiting for anything. No, right no, here. I don't, no. Well, this is the whole thing. It, it showed me that I am in control and I, I change, I dictate where my life goes. You know, it's as someone who positions themselves as 
not a finance expert. I try and be more relatable than that. But as someone who's like, I'm good with money in my own ways, it's hard for me to sit here and say, I was terrible at one point. But I actually think that that's why I'm good that's now. That's why you're good. I needed that shock. Otherwise, I'd have just kept bumbling along and not really saving, not really spending. The paying off the debt made me like realize that I can live off next to nothing. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do with this money? And then it's like, oh, in- investing. And, you know, and, and that's where I got to. And I'm, I've, before then I was slightly materialistic. Now I'm, I'm, I've never have been since. I don't really care for possessions. Yeah, I, I know I you won't buy new trainers unless I tell you to. <laughs> yeah, you, you trod on them before. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I've had a couple of debts, but not, not as wide, wild as yours. But I went, I was in Israel back when I used to have credit cards. I went on holiday, spent all my holiday money. And then I just started withdrawing money from the cash machine with my credit card. Maybe Terrible idea. That Never do that. And, um, because of the interest rate, the interest rate. And I thought my limit was like, it was meant to be like a 2000 limit. They let me withdraw up to yeah. five grand. So I'm like, that. Oh, maybe I haven't hit my limit yet. So I kept on withdrawing it. I go back to London. They're like, you're six grand. And I was like, what? And what people don't realize about credit cards is they, a lot of them will, will put the payments in order of how costly they are. So there'll be a cash withdrawal interest rate. So that means that you pay an extra rate on cash withdrawal. So yeah. anyone you take out, yeah. but let's say you take a grand out, but you owe five on the card. They'll put that grand at the back. So if you pay a grand off, it doesn't pay off the cash. The cash sits at the back. So they're, they're saying, no, you've got to pay the full five grand off before you get rid of the cash that's, that's on the higher so interest rate. Sneaky. So they, they really try and like put you in a corner with yeah. that. Never take cash out on a credit card. I, I trust <laughs> me, I learned that the hard way. I was like, how did I take out X amount? I'm paying out, paying about way more. Yeah. So um, from that day, I now don't own a credit card because I can't be trusted. Yeah, I just, I, I'm too impulsive. If I see, if I'm having a good time, I'll spend. If I'm like, if I see something that I shouldn't really be buying, I'll be like, stick on a credit card. So I yeah. was like that. Now I just spend what I have. I don't think I've got it with me, but not a sponsor, but I, well, I used to think I'll never use credit cards again. But actually now I'm at a point in my life where I do use them and I use an American Express in order to get the perks around flights and stuff. Cause I, you know, I, I like a cheeky upgrade if I can get one and I pay that off in full every month and I use that for the, for the benefits. But I, I've had to grow into that over time and like be honest with myself about, am I the kind of person that can pay it off in full or not every month? And for a long period, I wasn't. I was like you where it was like, oh, three grand or yeah. zombies on a night out. <laughs> I think I stopped getting drunk and that, that stopped me. Oh, <laughs> save you well, you know, you're on a night out and I'm like, Mr. Sensible, you put a few zombies in me, mate. And it's- uh, Zombies are very naughty <laughs> cocktails in Manchester. Yeah, for everybody everyone, a, everyone a drink then. You know, <laughs> yeah. So uh, your relationship with money changes over time. I think, and obviously how responsible you are with money. And I've gone from a point of being completely reckless with debt to saying I'll never get into debt again to now actually spending on debt and it benefits me. Like I, I get a, 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 a tangible benefit in terms of round flights and hotels and things like that through, through using yeah. debt. So, and it costs me nothing. Yeah, I need to do. I need to get an American Express card, but, but only I if you think from, that you can pay off. That's the thing I can't. I buy myself overdrafts. I take on all no overdrafts on any of my bank accounts because in uni I was running. Well, on the overdrafts only good the first time you use it. Yeah, because you get that initial grand or and two like, grand, oh, yeah. but then every month you're just in this hole. Yeah, so, and you get paid and you're still negative. You, and you're like, this is yeah. useless. So, and, yeah. and people go, oh, I like to have that buffer. Well, have no. a grand in your bank. It, exactly, that's, that's a buffer. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't, don't have a a debt facility there. I mean, if you've got a free overdraft, I get it. Whatever, but. It's only actually beneficial the first time you use yeah, it exactly. because you suck an extra gram that month, isn't yeah. it? But then you run through it and you're and just, you're like, just overdrawn. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a very uncomfortable period in my life where I had to kind of come to terms with who I was and, and the fact that I'd caused so much damage in my life. And there was loads of shame around it. That's why I didn't speak to anyone. So you literally ignored everyone for after uni when we were like, the most popular people partying all the time, chatting to everyone. Everyone knows your name. I you just ignored just, everyone. I thought I was just gonna like fly in life like I did at uni. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I thought like, oh, I'm that guy. <laughs> that, that reality hits you hard yeah. when you graduate. I, I, oh, yeah. I got absolutely slapped around the face by life. And I remember one time Jay, one of my mates, came up to Manchester, was like, let's meet up. And I just made an excuse because I was so ashamed of like my life and my circumstances that I didn't want to see him. So oh, I just wow. hid from everyone for like a year or two while I got rid of it all. Didn't that make you more depressed? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't be any lower than rock bottom with nothing in my bank account at all points. Oh, you know, working, working like 60, 70 hour weeks to dig myself out of it. But, you know, that's all led me here. So how long did it take you to dig yourself out? 
I mean, does, you, you get light at the end of the tunnel, don't you? So you, you start, you start paying down the debt and then over time you clear a debt and that frees up a bit of money. But I was the kind of person where I was like, that's all going on the next debt now. But you know, every month it got incrementally better. There was a point, the first couple of months were tough because it was like, I was having, I had to use debt to live. So I was looking at like, how do I get rid of the really horrendous debts? The payday loans were so bad. That whole yeah. industry was horrible. That, um, so did they shut it down? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they basically shut them down. But it made, I mean, it, it made me so good at my job because everyone around me was just like, people call it, they got, the problem is, I, I imagine it's like doctors and nurses or any job, you become desensitized to the issues of the people in front of you because you see them so often. So all of the people around me were just like, oh, it's another person in debt. Like it's just another call to take, another person to process. Yeah. Whereas I deeply understood how, how much emotional like You're a bit more empathetic yeah so you, I, yeah. I was like look just listen to me for 15 minutes i'm going to make all of this go away and that just meant that i was just really good at my job you know and that meant off the back of that that i i, I earned more money got promoted because i could empathize with the people that were coming through on the phone so it, it really played to my advantage in a weird way and that or that you say all that work ethic all that drive all that hustle is is from that I've, it's never left me since you know and now i'm here sitting in a room with you like I was at uni, nothing's happened. <laughs> in the exact same place as I was back then. Can you guess what the biggest learning has been from doing this podcast or even my YouTube channel? It's that the most important investment you can make is in you. So for me, my path to real wealth isn't through investing, it's by building this business. And that's why I'm happy that we're working with Hostinger. Hostinger help entrepreneurs, freelancers and side hustlers with their websites. My favorite thing is their AI website builder, which helps anyone create a professional website with zero coding experience. You just describe your goal in a couple of sentences and the AI creates a beautiful looking website, just like magic. You can then customize it, use the AI assistant to generate SEO friendly text and even use their AI logo maker. It's fast, user friendly. And of course, what I like the best is it's great value for money. You can get website hosting in a free domain from £2.99 a month. So if you want a website, then check out Hostinger. And if you use the code making money, that's making money all one word, you'll get 10% off. And I've left a link in the description for you. Before I became a creator, I was a sales guy. I mean, I love selling. It's how I rebuilt my life after some wrong turns in my 20s. I also delivered Chinese takeaways on the side, but that was more fun money so I could go out on a night without feeling guilty. Sales was where the real money was at. And one tool that I found really useful was LinkedIn Sales Navigator. It's a sales intelligence platform that helps you identify and then get into conversations with high value customers so you can drive more revenue. You can use it to look for key signals like recent job changes, so you can find buyers who are most likely to convert. And because they've got a billion people on the platform, I mean, the chances are your targets are going to be on LinkedIn. Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date, first-party data so you can get into conversations with the people that matter. So if you want to give Sales Navigator a try, you can get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash upsell. That's linkedin.com slash U-P-S-E-L-L for a 60-day free trial. So Damo, what were the practical steps you took to actually get out of debt? Well, I'll talk about it from the perspective of not just me, but anyone in general, what they might do if they're in a debt position. Um, first of all, you can seek advice. So there's free services. We'll link them in the, in the show notes um, and, and the, the newsletter that you can call and, and they will give you advice around managing your debt and getting out of debt. But a lot of those solutions, anything that where you don't pay what you've agreed will essentially result in uh, a mark against your credit rating. These can be what's called a default notice. A default notice is if you've missed three months worth of payments, you've defaulted on the debt, they withdraw the debt facility and they mark your credit rating saying this person did not pay that debt. Then there's bankruptcy, which is the next level above that. Anything that's a mark on your credit rating will last for six years. And that's a long time, right? So that six year mark, you've got to consider if you're going to go to these services where they're going to restructure your debt or get you to pay less, that you're going to have to then live with that for six years. So just bear that in mind. A default notice will last for six years. Bankruptcy will also last for six years. After that six year period, it's removed 
from your credit rating. They are, this is why mortgage companies ask you if you've ever been declared as bankrupt because they can't really see that beyond those six years. Okay, so I, I didn't want that sort of action. So I focused on paying off the debt itself. The best way to pay off the debt we're just going to assume you're in an absolute mess. First of all, you need to identify what priority debts you have. So these are things like council tax, obviously where you live, rent, bills, things like this. These are these are the things where if you don't pay them, you can either go to prison or it's going to affect your living situation. Um, if you've got arrears there, when I'm talking about debt, like if you're behind on payments, you focus on those first. You would call, if it's council tax, call the council tax, say, I've been struggling. Can I set up a payment plan? The key thing is don't be scared to call these people. When I worked at Barclay Card, I think the stat was a quarter or a fifth of all people were in arrears. So they were missing payments. It was massive. The team for collections on Barclay Card was huge. And it's just simply that people fall behind and then they think, oh, the, the company's now the enemy. I'm never going to speak to them. Whereas if you just speak to them, they go, yeah, no worries. We'll restructure it. We won't mark your credit rating because we just want our money back. Yeah. Please don't disappear because then we've got to go through this really expensive process to pursue you. So don't be scared of them. They're not the enemy. They, they will help you manage that debt. So with council tax, you can call them and what they'll typically do is spread the arrears out over the year. They might be a bit more aggressive, but that's typically if you've ignored them. As soon as you start ignoring them, they're going to go for you, you know, because they, they, they don't think they're not going to pay us. Yeah. Go after them. So priority debts first, council tax, any tax arrears, if you're self-employed, anything that's like a utility bill, those kind of debts need to be paid first. And then what you do is you get all of your debts, you write them down, how much you owe, and most importantly, what the interest rate is on an annual basis, the APR, Every debt has an associated interest rate. Yeah. Typically, it will be, in the past, it was payday loans would be the highest, but it's typically credit cards, then maybe a bank loan, car finance. I would put that to one side because it's it's specific to a vehicle. So I wouldn't typically focus on overpaying that, but the order will normally go credit cards, loans, and overdrafts in that order. You get the debts and you order them by interest rate. You pay the minimum payment on every debt. So this is the minimum required payment. They should really call the minimum payment the interest payment. They call it the minimum because it's psychologically people go, oh, well, I'll just pay the minimum. When in reality, it's all you're doing is servicing the interest. Really? Yeah. If you look at a, credit a new card, thing every day, if you service just the minimum payment on a credit card, there's um, the amount that you pay in interest is insane. There's a website called whatsthecost.com where it can calculate for you, if I, if I pay the minimum on this card, how long will it take? And if I overpay it by 10 pound a month, how much will that shave off? And a 10 pound overpayment will cut the payment term from like 20 years to 10, you know? So we'll link that, that website and it's important for people to play around with that and understand that paying the minimums, all you're actually doing really is just, just giving them money for free. So it's always just the interest always. If they called it the, the um, you screwed if you pay this low payment or like the, the interest only payment, then people would overpay it. But because it's the minimum, it sounds really soft. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just pay the minimum. But anyway, you order your debts by interest rate. You then pay the minimum payments on all of the ones apart from the highest interest rate. And then you just hammer that with an overpayment until it's gone. And then what you do once you've cleared that debt, because you've been overpaying it, you then take that overpayment plus the minimum that they were requiring and apply it to the next highest interest rate. They call it snowballing and avalanching. Snowballing is a method whereby you pay off the smallest balance first. So if you've got a 10 grand debt, a five grand debt and a 200 quid debt, you pay off the 200 quid debt because psychologically it makes you feel good. And then you can take that money and put it somewhere else. Psychologically, that, that might make sense, but from a math perspective, you pay off the highest interest rate first because it's costing you the most money. Yeah. There is a lot to be said though about clearing off a debt and feeling good about it. And if that's, if that's your thing, maybe the snowballing method works, but, but you could end up, you're going to end up paying more. You'll pay more yeah, overall because overall. the interest rate is higher on the other ones. So if you've got a card at 70 to 27% and one at 15%, the one at 27% is costing you 27 pound on every hundred on it yeah. on, a, on an annual basis. Whereas the other one's costing you 15. Yeah. So if you focus on the 15, you're losing out on that difference, right? You know, so you focus on the highest interest debt first to pay it down. And 
there's no magical way to pay off debt. You just have to pay it off. And I think that's, it's like a, people want like the hacks and the tricks. And in reality, it's go earn some more money and pay off the highest interest debts first and, and hammer them. I took out a second job. So I was working um, at the debt management company. And then I was also washing pots at Pizza Express on a weekend. Oh, so yeah. I was working silly amount of hours. Because so, I was doing like, you know, I get to work at like half seven, eight when the office opened and I'd leave at like seven. It was an hour walk each way. Um, I'd go in on Saturdays, nine till three. And then I'd work at Pizza Express from 6 p.m. till 1 a.m. Washing pots um, Saturday and Sunday. Yes. That's uh, why you went quiet. Yeah. Just <laughs> grinding out. When I had my son later on in the line, that's when I stopped the Pizza Express because I had to see, I wanted to see my son. Um, but yeah. But then what that taught me was like, actually, I, I don't mind that grind. Like I, I personally didn't like it. And, you know, even when I was set up the YouTube channel, I was earning a hundred grand a year in my accountancy sales job. I was earning good money through YouTube as well. And I was still delivering Chinese takeaways for 30 quid a shift because I just needed that. I loved it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I just, I remember Daley Thompson, do you know, the runner, yeah. the, the old school runner. Yeah. He used to train on Christmas day and he'd say that I like train on Christmas day, not because I think it will make a difference, but because I know that my competitors aren't. And that that's kind of, I used to just drive around my takeaways on a Thursday night, knowing that everyone, or a Friday night, knowing that everyone else was going and getting drunk and, what would happen is between six and nine, I would earn 30 quid, 40 quid. And then I would use that for the night out. And it was like completely guilt-free then because I had a lot of um, guilt around spending money because I felt like everything should be going. Into the debt. Yeah, but then I realized actually this fits around my life really well. I enjoy it. It's like I planned my whole YouTube channel and all of that whilst driving around delivering Chinese takeaways in Manchester because it was just so easy work like there's no mental process when yeah. you're when you're you know doing pressured sales and stuff it's very taxing on the brain driving around delivering chinese i was able to think and i schemed this whole <laughs> youtube thing whilst doing that and then applied myself to that i've always worked a lot since then but yeah i mean my point is that if you want to get out of debt the best way to do that is to increase your earnings and to focus on the highest interest debt first and, and hammer them there's no magic bullet. That's good advice. Unless you want to go bankrupt, which is a which is an okay option, especially if it's going to take you six years longer than six years to pay off the debt. But what are the connotations for going bankrupt? I mean, is it harder harder to get a property? Harder to get credit cards? Like within that six year period, you're basically not going to get anything, anything right? Yeah, yeah. but you can't even get like a game store card and things no, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. You're going to struggle. I mean, you will, but they'll, they'll they'll apply a really horrendous interest rate to you. And and the question is, do you really want that? Yeah. People, people always go, oh, but it's going to mess up my credit rating. A credit rating is only used to get more debt. So if you don't actually want debt anymore because you're like, I'm done with that, you know, and, and buying a mortgage, getting a house on a mortgage isn't on the horizon for a few years anyway, you know, and you're in a position where it's like, it's going to take me a decade to clear this debt off and I'm going to have to work every hour and give it everything. Then bankruptcy is a sense of, potentially a sensible solution. If you're wondering if your position is, is in that, if you're in that situation, you speak to the professional free services and they will tell you. What they do is they do an income and expenditure with you, which is a budget. They just go through what, um, they have guideline amounts. So the Consumer Credit Counseling Service, I believe it's called, again, this was over a decade ago, so I'm sorry if I got that incorrect. They all sit down and say, this is how much we think that someone should spend realistically on food, on rent, on clothes, on the dentist. If you're spending more than that, we're going to say that they need to cut back before we'll accept the bankruptcy. So you can't come in and go, I spend 20 grand a month on food, but I want to go bankrupt. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're going to be like, no. They are, they, they are realistic though. So if someone earning 200 grand a year, they, might, they will accept that that person has a certain lifestyle associated with their business or with their, their position. Like a, a CEO of a business who they go bankrupt, they would, they would accept the fact that they need a car that is fitting of their status. Yeah. So they are realistic, but it's still tight. I was going to ask, do they, do they look at your assets at all? Yeah. If you, so bankrupt, you can't go bankrupt and have going, like a no. three million pound house. No, that's all going. That's but what going. about cars and things? Yeah, it's all going. Yeah. I, I, I oversaw the bankruptcy um, of a, a hotel group. Uh, I won't name the names, but I don't know what the legal ramifications are of that. Big hotel group. The guy was living in Belgravia um, in like a, a 50 million pound house or something. Billionaire's Row. And 
when the, the insolvency practitioners went to the house to see what assets he had, there was freshly fresh mud in the back garden. So they went out there and they were like, what's this? And he was like, oh, I've been doing some gardening. They dug it up and he'd buried art in the, in the floor, <laughs> trying to hide the assets. So they took those and sold those. And it, at the point that you're bankrupt, you're basically saying, I cannot afford to pay these debts. That, and if you've got assets, they're gonna go, well, you could, you just need to sell the assets. So yeah. they're, gonna, they're gonna take those assets to clear the debt. Yeah. At the point of bankruptcy, what an insolvency practitioner is, that, which is almost like a solicitor for bankruptcy. Think of them as a highly qualified professional that oversees the bankruptcy. Their job is to recoup as much money as possible for the creditors. So they will go after and take everything. If you're seen to have been reckless, a lot of celebrities, this is the case, Jordan Belfort, American systems different, but it's a relatable example, fraud or things like this, they'll say that you have to pay into the bankruptcy. And what that means is that any income that you earn post bankruptcy, you have to pay First, a lot of it in to pay back the creditors. And that's for people where it's like, they've, they've basically been reckless with their money. So when I say celebrities, I mean, they've earned loads of money, blown it all. They're going bankrupt and the creditors are like, no, no, no. We know that this person's going to earn a lot of money still because they're famous. Yeah. So we want an agreement in place where they pay in. What you've got to think about these solutions is in any of these solutions, what you're essentially doing is asking the creditor, the, pe the people who have lent you money to either not get their money back or to accept a lower payment and to freeze the interest. And what kind of situations can you get them to freeze the interest? Um, is that in quite a lot of situations. Yeah. 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 I'd say it's better to deal with them directly often because a lot of the debt management companies that I worked for in the same way that financial, like the financial advice industry puts themselves in the middle of people being just investing in index funds, really simply the debt management industry that I worked for at the time, what all they were essentially doing was charging a fee to call the creditor and go, can you freeze the interest? Cause they can't pay you. And if you don't freeze it, they're just not going to pay you. And then they were charging a fee for that. I don't, looking back, I don't actually agree with it, but I was naive at the time. I, I didn't, I, I thought I'm helping people get out of debt and I'm getting paid for it. What those people should actually do is just call the, the credit card company themselves and go, I'm really struggling. Can you help? What they'll typically do then is because you've approached them directly is go, we'll give you a payment holiday or we'll give you three, three months, months off. off. Yeah. And it won't affect your credit rating. You know, we won't we won't do any of that. We'll help you out because you've approached us because we're not going to need to pursue you or sell the debt or whatever. And what that allows you to do then is maybe catch back up before it gets drastic. The key is hit it head on, hit it early and don't be scared of the creditors. Don't be scared to call them and say, I need help. I'm in a position where I can't pay this or I'm about to not be able to pay it. If you can negotiate a payment freeze on three or four of your five debts, you can take all that money then that you're going to pay to them and pay off the others and just get your head above water again. So if you've got like a, a bill or a debt, um, say like your car gets clamped or you haven't paid a gestion charge and it goes from 12 pounds to 24 pounds to like yeah. 500 pounds and you're like, look, I can't afford to pay this. Asking can for I, a friend. Can I <laughs> ask you asking for a friend? You get a lot of, a lot of parking tickets. Uh, might drive a Mercedes, might be yeah. tall and handsome. Um, anyway. Aspirations when, of a G-Wagon. <laughs> when you call them up and then you say, okay, I can't pay this right now. Um, can I set up a payment plan? And then they say, okay, sure, we can do that. We can break this up into three payments. Uh, can you pay us like 200 pounds a month or a grand a month? And then, um, then they say, but for that payment plan to work, we need you to pay X amount today. Are they putting that number out of the air or is there a certain amount they have? They just want a commitment. Yeah. Because what so if I'm like, I can pay you 10 pounds a day and 500 pounds next month yeah, but, and then 500 pounds a month what, after. The problem is that most people just fob them off. So all people are looking to do is delay and, and they basically go like, agree in a payment plan where you make a payment in a month. That's just giving you another 30 days to, to fob us off. So that's what they want. We want, we want a commitment today. And obviously if you've got absolutely no money, then I get it. But at the point that their the parking fine has gone from 20 to 500, you've been chased for months. Yeah. Yeah, you have. Well, not that much in London, man. Yeah. It, go, it goes on. It's not I, like a I mansion 20 pound box. parking ticket. Your glove box looks like use Kleenex, right? They just all fly <laughs> out of there. <laughs> I'm getting around to them. I'm getting around to yeah. them. <laughs> so they, they, they find it hard to be sympathetic at that point. Because most people only call once they've got the court letters and go, okay, I'll pay. And it's like, well, we've been chasing you for six months here. So then they, they take a hard line because 
you basically ignored them for six months and now you're saying you're going to pay them, but you you want another month. They're going to be like, no. So you want to be pro- all the time, be proactive, contact, yeah. contact the creditors. I mean, with parking fines and that, pay them as soon as you get them. Yeah. I know obviously that you can look online and a lot of people will say you don't need to pay certain types of parking fines. You do. And, and, and that is true. There's certain ones that aren't enforceable by law. Like They clamped my car from a ticket in Manchester. They found me in London. I don't know how. And then they clamped my car. And they, like, they, will, they, they will come after you. Listen, and they'll but this you, was like six months old. Yeah. Well, that, that, they've clamped it. They've, it's got to the point where the debt has become so much that it's worth them paying a guy to come and clamp your car. Yeah. So that, they're not going away. They're just going to keep racking on fees, keep coming after you. had after to pay them. them so spent too much on zip cars that week. Yeah. <laughs> so I had yeah. to pay them off. Yeah. So, you know, with those kind of debts, obviously just, just trying to avoid getting them in the first place. But- with any debt, if you feel that you're going to struggle, call them and talk to them. They're human beings and think of it from the perspective of any, if they have to chase you, every phone call comes at a cost. That every bit of man hour that they have to pay, they have to pay whole retention teams, just the chasing teams just to pursue people. And they cost them, every person's like a 25 grand a year salary. And there's 50 of those people in their office. They would love to just get rid of that department. And if you call them and say, I'm struggling, they'll go, no worries, we'll help you because you've saved us chasing you. So no, at the beginning we said, before you invest, you should really pay off your debt. Is this true? Because I mean, I myself, I've got a student loan still from my MBA degree, like 40 grand. I paid off every month, but I'm still investing. And I'd rather not just pay 40 grand and miss out on investing for the next year or two. So um, do you think it's, people should always pay off their debt first or it depends? There's two answers to this question. There's in the same way as how do you pay off debt snowballing versus, you know, the psychological versus the, the mathematical. And I think that's the same with a lot of finance. And I invested whilst I had, while I had debt and I'll explain why, but first of all, you understand what the interest rates are on the debts. Yeah. If it's like a normal student loan where it's, you know, one to 5%. No, it's a private one. Yeah, it's so a that's, naughty slightly, one. that's slightly different. If you've got a credit card at 27% and you're getting charged that, and, and the choice is between, do I pay that off or do I invest money over here where I hope that I'll get an average rate of return of 9% a year, yeah? There's a guaranteed interest rate over here versus a potential return over here. The guaranteed rate of return, it makes more sense to pay that down because it's higher than the expected rate and it's certain. The way to think about it is every time you overpay that debt, you're making 27% on what you would if you didn't. Yeah. So it makes more sense from a numbers perspective to overpay the debt. But with me personally, I felt so behind that I wanted to get ahead that I broke a little bit off and I started investing on the side and that's done me great over the years. And also building up that cushion on this side I meant that when things were happening, because I was, so, I was so tight financially that if anything happened, which obviously over the course of a year, you're going to get a shock, right? You pop a tire on your car, it would wipe me out. Having that pot here allowed me then to have that flexibility and maneuverability. So I don't think it's wrong to invest while you pay off debt, especially if they're like car finance and student loans and things, because these tend to be lower interest rates. But when you're talking high interest credit card debt, the the, the right answer is always going to be from a numbers perspective that you should pay that debt off first. Makes sense. But you know, psychologically, I think people just want to feel like they're taking steps forward. Yeah. They don't feel that paying off the debt is a step forward. They feel that it's just... They just hate themselves. Yeah, so, you're just both throwing yeah. money away. You're not getting, you're not you, seeing anything back from it. But you, you are, are taking step forwards because from going from minus 10 to zero is progress. But then you like, I'm on zero. After yeah. all that work, I'm on zero. Yeah, so it's kind of like, yeah, zero. it's like a yeah. mental thing you've got to so get if past. You, so what I would say is maybe just say, okay, if I'm paying 500 pound a month off my debt, I'm going to break off 25 to 50 pound of that to invest, to make myself feel better. Because at the end of the day, this whole thing is just about feeling good about yourself and being happy, isn't it? Yeah. And if that makes you happier, then, you know, do it. But it's not the most sensible thing to do. <laughs> uh, well, sensible isn't my middle name. <laughs> um, do, you, do you, we always talk about, you know, you should have an emergency fund yeah. or like a rainy day fund. Do you think that people who have like an emergency nest egg, emergency fund should use that to pay off their debt? Okay, so if the debt's a problem, then that's an emergency, so yes. So if you're about to start missing payments on debts and you've got three months worth of living costs here, you should be using that to pay off the debt. If it's a question of, I've got some manageable debts. If you've got interest-free credit cards, as an example, I wouldn't be paying that off. I use interest-free credit cards. So um, 
when I built out my studio, which was, you know, for my YouTube channel, the whole cost of that was probably about 10,000 pounds. I banged that on an interest-free credit card because why pay for it upfront when I could spread the cost for free, you know? And my emergency fund sat there. If you're in a position whereby you have some credit card debt that you'd like to clear, but that's the whole value of your emergency fund, maybe just use a portion of it. Again, it's what makes you sleep at night, you know, how long does it take you to build up the emergency fund, first of all? How big's the debt and what's the interest rate? There's no one size fits all That's answer, awesome. but the, the the right answer from a numbers perspective is always going to be clear the, clear the debt, you know, because you, you the interest rate that you're paying on that is far higher than anything you'll ever achieve from the markets. Imagine if you could get a 27% a year return from the stock market. It'd be outrageous. Like every year, that's what credit card companies get. Great business to be in. That's why I'm not, yeah, that's why I don't mess with them anymore. But yeah, yeah, it's a great, great business. But you you know, if if you're struggling with debt and you've got three grand sat there in your emergency fund, what you're doing, just get get it gone and and make your life a little bit easier. Yeah, but then what if next month your car breaks down and then you're like, oh, I've got no emergency fund. I just spent all my debt. I better get the credit card out and pay for my car. And then you get more debt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a risk. That's a, a risk you take. I think the thing is, what's is it Murphy's law? Uh, given a long enough time horizon, anything that can go wrong will, will go, go wrong. wrong. Yeah. But over a short time horizon, the chances of things going wrong are are low, right? So over a ten year period, it's very likely that there will be something that happens to me that requires me to use my emergency fund. Over a month, not so much. Yeah. Over a day, very unlikely. It's unlikely that any given day I will have an issue with my car. But over the lifetime of 10 years of the car, it's almost certain that I'm going to have an issue. So if you're going to use it to improve your situation quickly by paying off the debt, you then just need to have a quick focus of replenishing that that emergency fund quite quickly. Yeah. You know, and with anything in life, especially finances, it's not a straight line up. It's one step forward, two steps, two steps forward, one step back sometimes. And when I was in debt, I would clear debts off and then be like, oh God, this has come up. I'd have to take out something else and all as well. One thing we didn't say as well about managing debt that I think is really worth mentioning is the first place people should start is to see if they can consolidate potentially. Can you take all of your debt and roll it into a lower interest, you know, loan? I'm speaking from the perspective of someone who was absolutely fubar <laughs> financially, you know, it was a real mess. So borrowing more money wasn't an option, but for, for a lot of people, they can take out a, a, a lower interest loan it's the it's the numbers thing again, and then pay it all off. Yeah, if you've got ten loan. grand on credit cards at twenty five percent, but you can get a loan for ten grand on seven percent, that's obviously a better yeah, deal. Yeah, you just pay that off. With yeah, you pay the loan off. Then the key is cut the credit cards up, burn them. Like you need, if you're the kind of person that's built up all that credit card debt through reckless spending, if you pay off, if you take out a loan and pay off the credit cards. You're, and then you've got all these credit cards in your wallet. You might just run them up again, and then before you yeah. know, you've got you've got double the debt. Yeah, yeah. So get I'll say it's anyone who's considering it, it is very liberating cutting up a credit card. Like, yeah. And they'd be like, I'm not going back. Have like it, a ceremony. I did. Right, I had a little party. Yeah, just <laughs> mud on the face, naked in the back garden, just <laughs> throwing up credit cards in the air. Just <laughs> like so make it really tribal and get rid of them. Yeah, exactly. Just next door neighbors like, what's all this hot plastic flying <laughs> over there? <laughs> Bits of shrapnel. Yeah, yeah. So Demo, yes. the grand day when you were finally debt-free, how did you feel? Um, it was a bit of an anticlimax. <laughs> so the thing is, it wasn't that day. It was the next month when my paycheck came in and I was like, holy crap, what's all this extra money? What am I going to do with that? Um, so yeah, the day I paid off the debt, it was like the numbers on the spreadsheet all hit zero. That was great. And 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 you, you're tracking it so much that you, you're making those wins over time that you, you know that day is coming and you build it up to be this big thing. And then it arrives and then it's like, do you know what I mean? Like nothing's actually zero. happened. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm on zero. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Where's the parade? You know. <laughs> um, and then actually the next month, when like my when I sat down to do my budget, and then there's just like a couple of grand floating about. I'm like, whoa, crap, what am I gonna do with this? Hello. Save it all. Never spend a penny. <laughs> you went to get some pastries, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. Um, and then how did you stay debt-free? Like once once you were out, out of the woods? Well, we did the, we did the budgeting episode, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's exactly how I stayed out of debt. It's about knowing my habits and having systems in place that manage those those weaknesses in my own personality. Like you said, like when you get paid, you send the money to like exactly. savings account, investments, exactly. rainy day. I know that I'm going to run through it. I'm, the, I'm a different person, 
but I'm still the same guy. So you, know you, know, you like, still have the same weaknesses. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not as reckless as I was back then, but I, I'm still that person in, in some form. I just manage, manage myself better, you know. Got a funny analogy. My uncle said that once you're a smoker, you're always a smoker. You never quit. Yeah. You just take a break. Yeah. So you can like, if you don't smoke for five years and you have a cigarette, you'd be like, oh, I want another one. Yeah. So it's like, you've still got those habits ingrained in you. So yeah. you just got to put the steps in with like budgeting and things. Yeah. So you don't go back to your yeah. true self. It's like, we're all still the same, like same. screaming little baby we were born. We just get better at managing ourselves in the world over time, maybe. Um, and speaking of baby, if you're now with all your experience in debt and all of these things, what would you tell your younger self if you go back and give him some advice, some tips on debt? Don't get in debt. <laughs> no, I, what I would say is it's going to be okay, Damien. The, the, the habits that you're forming now will, will, will make, make you into the man that you become. And you need to go through this process of hardship in order to come out the other side, someone that, that can be knowledgeable. You know, this is all part of your journey and it's okay. Like you need to struggle in life, I think. And I think I would say to him, you're going to go through a process here that's going to be really painful, but you're going to like who you are at the end of that. So just get on with it. Thanks for sharing, Damon. That was pretty deep. Yeah, don't cry, mate. <laughs> I'm Damien Jordan. I'm Tamina Carole. This episode was recorded by Jack Hobbs. Video was edited by Johnny Hunter. The music is by Felix Taylor. Our producer is Ruth Edwards. And it was all brought together by Will Stolomon, who is in loads of debt paying for this podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're such a legend. <laughs> Quick question from me and the Making Money team. Would you like us to come into your workplace to teach you and your colleagues more about personal finance? It's an absolute joke that we're not taught what to do with money. And this knowledge gap makes most people much poorer over their lifetimes. Take your work-based pension. Most people have no idea what the fund they're invested in does, and plenty of people just opt out altogether. We can cover whatever is most important, from the basics to complex financial retirement planning supported by qualified financial advisors who are not there to sell you anything. We take different approaches for different people in a company depending on stuff like their age or their income. Anyway, if you think people you work with could benefit from financial education, then please email will at getmost.co.uk so he can explain more. It doesn't matter what your role is in the business, we want to hear from you. So email will at getmost.co.uk. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app.